What to do when you don't like a book? Well, there's lots of books in sunlight that someone doesn't like. Today, I wanna to talk to you about one of my favorites, um, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Um, this book, you can always tell, it comes towards the end of the level and you can tell when everyone gets there by Facebook or the app um, that people are like, should I read that book to my child? I wanna encourage you to read it to your kids. It does have some pretty gritty things in it, but they are true. This is what happened in America. And this book written is the life story of the author. This is what her experience was. And is unpleasant as it may be to revisit her life with your children. The lessons that your kids will learn from this about integrity and pride and perseverance far outweigh the ugliness of the word that bothers you in this book. Um, I encourage you to give it a try because you, your life will be richer and your kid's life will be richer from experiencing um, the time in history where black people were not treated like the people that they are people made in God's image. And so if you can share that experience with your child through this book, you'll be a better person for it and your children will have a better appreciation of what um, they can do to be better. So read the books, that's my advice. One of the earliest examples of a sunlight title that we frequently see coming up in the community and questions from parents is a book called A Child's History of the World. And A Child's History of the World is used in B and in C throughout both years. And you'll notice in the guide that we don't start at the very beginning of the book. Um, there's just a little part at the very beginning that is not scheduled. And um, so looking at your instructor's guide is important for this title and for many others. You know, there are there are cases where we, we read almost all of something, but not quite everything. So it's always important to look at your instructor's guide. Um, and another um, just important thing to note is that this book is, it's, it's kind of arranged with um, three to every three to five pages per chapter. Um, and basically it's, it's not one of your um, picture books with lots of colorful images and, and it's not engaging in that way. It's engaging more in the, in the, in the story. And so these three to five page stories um, that tell all about um, the history of what's happened in the world. And so um, in the beginning of the first year with each of my guys, I have four sons and I would say that it's, it, you know, it was one that was difficult more some more than for others and it was worth persisting with with all four of my guys um the son that i knew had the hardest time with that book um is the one that came to me at the at the end when we were finishing that book and we finished the very last chapter and he said i wish this chap this book wasn't 
you know, over. And he said, I didn't know when we started reading this, I didn't really love it. And I didn't know um, then that a book without pictures could be interesting. So he credited that book with teaching him that important lesson that a book without pictures can, or without many pictures, can be interesting. And I would say that's a very valuable lesson. So um, sticking with those books that are not, everyone's not jumping up and, and, and down about at first, it, it, it's valuable um, experience for them to uh, get to see. They can love a book later that they didn't love at first. One of my very favorite Sunlight read-alouds is one that people often question if it's worth reading because it starts out a little slow, but that is Across Five Aprils in Level E. I love this book. This is actually one of my very favorite Sunlight read-alouds of all time. And the reason for that is because it totally shifted my perspective um, about learning about wars, that the side that won was not all good and the side that lost was not all bad. This particular book is set during the American Civil War and it tells the story of brothers who end up fighting on opposing sides and for many different reasons, um, which was something that I had never really thought of before. I mean, most of the time when you learn about war, you learn from the perspective of the side that won. And so, of course, they are going to say that they were doing the right thing. But the fact of the matter remains that people fight wars and we all feel differently about different things. And I think Sunlight does a really great job of teaching you other perspectives and to look for those other perspectives. So don't miss this one in level E. We get a lot of questions about why we use the um, encyclopedia style Usborne books when they have things in them that um, Sunlight or Sunlighters might disagree with. And here is my take on that. We use books that are excellent, but every book, every author is going to have something someone doesn't agree with. There's going to be um, an opinion or something historical that um, isn't what you believe or what I believe, and no book is going to be perfect. Um, they are not perfect, but that's a great chance for me as a mom to be reading to my kids, come upon something I don't necessarily agree with, and say, hold up, this is what the book says, but let me tell you what I think, or let me tell you why I don't agree with that, or even what do you think about that? Is that what we should maybe? Um, to, to challenge your kids to think critically involves thinking critically in front of them. So when you hit something you disagree with, Feel free to stop and say, I'm not sure about this, let's talk. Instead of just ingesting whatever um, any kind of media feeds you, um, we can talk with our kids and show them along the way. And that is the beauty of homeschooling. I remember reading about some concerns about certain books because they held romantic themes. Books like Seven Daughters for Seven Sons, and Mara, Daughter of the Nile. Because we always did a level that was appropriate for my kid's age, I wasn't too concerned about those things because it was the right time to talk about those kinds of things. When you read those books in middle school, that's when kids are going through their hormonal cha changes and they are thinking about these things. And so it is a great way to introduce the topic, talking about these characters we could discuss 
feelings and things like that with my kids. So I didn't shy away from some of those um, a little bit controversial subjects because I wanted to be able to have those conversations with my kids when it was appropriate and books introduce those beautifully. So don't be afraid of those books. Be open to the conversations that you can have with your kids. That is one more reason that we love to homeschool. Um, my book I'm going to talk to you about is Johnny Tremaine. I have an older copy. You can tell my kids have been a little past the current editions for a little while. But um, our first go around with Johnny Tremaine, I was looking in some of our old comments and I agreed with those mamas my first time that it was hard to get into it and read. But as I read it and we enjoyed it, I realized it was the aha moment of why this curriculum is what it is for our family. Um, this Johnny Tremaine came alive in the era that we were studying and my kids remembered the, the struggles and the, what was going on with the people and it just made it all more real for them. So um, if you're struggling with Johnny Tremaine, take take a second look, mom. Um, a lot of times I think it was my fault that they didn't like it. I decided I was going to like it whether I really liked it or not. It's kind of like our vegetables. You, you tell your kids how awesome they are, even though you're wishing you could be that kid that only ate mac and cheese again. Um, but I turned around and we all love Johnny Tremaine now, and it is one of our favorites. And I can honestly say that, that we, um, I look forward to grandkids being able to read it with them and talk to them about it. But to see Johnny Tremaine come alive, um, live the pre-revolutionary war into the revolutionary war and the struggles that the people around him as well as he himself were having. Um, I hope you guys take a second look at it and give it a second try. Sometimes it's good to read a certain book because of cultural literacy. You may hear on the news or TV or read another book, a reference to a particular book. And of course, if you've read that book, you'll have an idea of what they're talking about. And this book is one of those types of books that you may hear cultural references for. You may hear that some sort of writing is Kafka-esque, and that is referring to this author of The Metamorphosis, whose last name is Kafka. Another book I wanted to mention briefly is Brave New World. This is a book that contains very highly offensive ideas and practices. Ideas and things that turn God's design for relationships completely upside down, turn around, in between, every which way you would not ever want to see them actually be in real life. So why in the world would Sunlight choose to put books like this in their high school packages? Well, the author does not write about these things to celebrate them. He writes about them to alarm the reader and warn the reader. These things were written based on ideas that were prevalent at the time when the author wrote the book. And you might think that that might be just a few years ago, but uh, look at the copyright date of this book and it is 1932. So just to get a perspective of a Sunlight student's view on reading a book like this when he was in high school, I contacted my son, who's away at college, and asked him if he remembered this book, and he said yes. And he said that everybody needs to read this piece of dystopian fiction because it is an example of something that can really show you the potential of things that can happen when some sort of entity takes control over the people. And uh, so he highly recommends the book. 
uh, even through all the controversy. So I am personally thankful for the books that Sunlight has chosen in their high school levels, and I'm thankful for the tools and the instructor's guide that uh, are provided for us to be able to have these conversations with our kids. Captain Nobody was a book that had a significant influence on one of my children. Um, I remember wondering if read-alouds were really getting through or if he was enjoying them. And for my second son, Captain Nobody was a book that he delighted in. It was fun. And Captain Nobody um, has engaging characters and it's a great plot and it's funny and it's poignant and there are just things to talk about. And so don't let the title scare you away or what maybe what other people are saying about it. Our family found Captain Nobody to be a really engaging and fun book that um, was one of the first read-alouds that one of my children really owned and enjoyed. Um, another book that sometimes people wonder about in Sunlight's curriculum is The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby uh, was a book that my older children have all read but my one, my oldest son in particular in 10th grade read this during 20th century literature and said, Mom, have you read The Great Gatsby? Fitzgerald is such a good writer. And I was so excited that he would make that comment. He was, after being in sunlight all these years, looking at a book like The Great Gatsby and saying, here is a man who is an incredible writer. He was so familiar with good writing that he just knew it immediately. And so I remember having that conversation like, really, what, what's so great? And he said, Mom, just listen to this. Listen to the way he uses his words and the kinds of sentences he writes and proceeded to read to me. So uh, that year, he would have said The Great Gatsby was his favorite book. He just thought it was so well written. So sometimes there are books that seem like, hmm, What's Captain Nobody? What's The Great Gatsby? But in our experience, those have been two, two meaningful books. And I could talk about dozens and dozens of others. All right. Hello and welcome to this month's Homeschool Helps and Hacks. I'm Sunny. I'm Sunlight's community manager. And I'm also a Sunlight mom of two kids who have been educated entirely with Sunlight. So by now we have read a lot of books. And joining me are Lisa and Christy. Do you, we're going to start with some introductions, ladies, for those who don't know you already. Lisa, do you want to tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. I am a retired Sunlight Homeschool mom. I used Sunlight from 2005-ish through 2018 when my last child graduated. So again, all through Sunlight. And um, I was a reader before Sunlight, and I am a reader after Sunlight as a retired homeschool mom. Now I'm back to reading for myself, and ooh, it's so fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally different when you get to do it just for fun as opposed to feeling <laughs> like you have to, right? But Christy, let's go ahead and uh, tell everybody a little bit more about yourself. Okay, I'm Christy. I have um, four sons. Um, three are currently homeschooling. One has graduated. And uh, we have been homeschooling with Sunlight for 14 years. And um, Sunlight has added to my book list, my personal book list, quite a bit, and that continues. Uh, we have four more years. We've been homeschooling for 14, and we have four more years. So 
we're we'll be doing 18 years total here. So um, that sounded like so much. So I don't recommend doing that math if you're sitting at home. Just take it a year at a time. But I'm kind of seeing the end, and so I'm and I am doing the math just to prepare myself because I know I'm going to miss it. But I'm looking forward to what Lisa's experiencing now, um, you know, doing the reading that you didn't have time to do when you were homeschooling. So um, uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. And just a reminder for those of you watching, all of our homeschool helps and hacks are recorded. So you'll be able to access this information later. Also, the chat is open. So make sure you're dropping your questions or comments in there because we would love to answer questions or help you troubleshoot in your own homeschool as well. So today's topic is to read or not to read. And I am really excited about this one because we get to talk all about Sunlight's books. And I know for me personally, when I started homeschooling my oldest, she was only in preschool. So I was really picking curriculum more for myself than for her at that point. I knew I needed to enjoy what I was teaching or it would never work out. So ladies, let's talk a little bit about how Sunlight's books are chosen and why there's value and at least attempting to read most, if not all, of the books that you get on Box Day. Yeah, so there is that great seven-step article about why books are chosen with sunlight, but I just always appreciated um, the care that went into the books being chosen. I knew they weren't just, these are the latest and greatest bestsellers or these are the should read books or whatnot, but that really there is a lot of thought put into those books before they make it to the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I would say I've read hundreds and hundreds of books, but um, Sarita over time has read, I've looked it up and it said tens of thousands of books that she has previewed and it saves me so much time because she has, you know, weeded through all of the stuff that, you know, maybe I don't want to read. And so, um, and found the best and the best for the, you know, what we're studying each year. And there's just a lot of thought and a lot that goes into the, the choices that she makes. So. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with both of you. I love to read, but we both reference or we've all referenced that when you're homeschooling, you're busier perhaps than you are when you are not doing that. And so choosing all of your own books or piecing together that type of information was something I wasn't super interested in. But when you have somebody like Sarita who does have this entire checklist of whether or not a book is worthy of going into the sunlight program, you know, reviewing all of those books for us, uh, it does make it so much easier to know, okay, this has been well thought out, it's well planned, it ties in with my instructor's guide, so I know how to teach this or talk about this, um, and we will include the link for that article um, in the chat as well, so that you can go see all the different reasons. She actually has a seven-point checklist uh, to get those books into the packages. Also, Sunlight constantly reevaluates from year to year, is this still the best book to teach about this topic? Or did we find a better one? So some of them might be newer, some of them might be old classics, but either way, it's really what we think is the best choice to teach about that particular topic. So let's talk about if your child struggles to read or listen when you read to them. I think this can be very frustrating for the parents if it doesn't appear the child's listening or they're not paying attention and you're trying to read all these books and losing your voice. I mean, should you keep pushing or how do you make that read aloud time more engaging? You know, because of course in the early grades, you're reading history, Bible, literature, like there's a lot of reading. So what do you do if your child doesn't seem to be into it or you're getting tired? 
Well, I think if reading aloud is not something that you've done a lot of in the past and you suddenly have a kindergartner or whatever, and you're jumping into homeschooling and you have sunlight and you have all this reading aloud, I think it's not wise to expect that your child is going to have that skill immediately because it is definitely a skill. I know for myself, um, as my kids got older and I started maybe doing some more reading for pleasure, I found that the best way for me to do that was audiobooks because of my time. But it took me a long time to learn to listen to audiobooks. So your you are an audiobook for your child, and that's a skill, and they need to learn that skill. So I think having patience with them and breaking it up. We, um, I won't say never because never is a long time, but we tried not to do all of our seat work at one time and all of our read alouds at another time. I tried to 20 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of seat work um, because my voice was tired, their ears were tired um, and, and it is a skill, it's a muscle, you have to practice it. And now I can go for a walk for two hours and listen to my audio book for two hours and it seems like, 10 minutes has not even passed because I've learned, I've flexed that muscle, I've trained that muscle, and now I can listen much better. That's true. And um, if you have a student who's struggling with reading in general, I think one of the best things that you can do is to have an adult reading to the child. It has massive benefits. And um, I think it helps with their fluency, their overall reading development. It um, helps with their vocabulary. If you think about it, I wrote down some words and I had my son help me. It was kind of fun. Um, I was asking him because he loves to read. What are some words that you mispronounce when you were reading on your own, but when you had it read aloud? And protege is one, you know, like try to pronounce that when you see it. You know, there's, um, he said determine. He remembered when he had said um, uh, determine or something like that, you know? I mean, words like that, that you, they're not going to understand much. So it helps their vocabulary development. Um, um, years ago, I remember I was teaching a fourth grader who said discipables when he saw disciples, you know? Um, you're not going to get as much if you're calling them discipables. You're just not going <laughs> to about you know and um conscience was the uh, another one you know conscience like what what in the world is that you know so it affects the understanding when you're reading aloud they catch more of it and um and if they hear a word sometimes my sons would say let me look at that and they'll look at it and oh that's what that word is I've seen it before I didn't know what that word was so um even in the beginning when you have um a strong struggling reader in the very a beginning reader. Um, it helps, but it helps all along the way. And um, I, I know I've said this so many times, if you've heard it before, just tune it out. But um, my son went away to college and he sent me a text message and he was said, will you look at this? And it was a scan of brain of a brain um, after you know, with reading aloud versus um, someone reading silently. And there's all these places in the brain that are lit up. So I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but my biology major son was studying the effects of reading aloud on the brain and they are huge. And he was laughing about it because he's the oldest, he's independent and he pushed to, to be finished. And he was a great reader. So a lot of people say, oh, my child's at the developmental level now where they can read on their own. And that's great, but... Um, you're just sacrificing part of their brain if you don't read aloud to them. <laughs> Not that I feel strongly about it or anything, but uh, 
go ahead and sacrifice their brain if you don't want to read aloud. I'm just kidding. Um, but basically, it is there are huge benefits throughout the reading development span. There are huge benefits for me. I still realize how to pronounce some words <laughs> so through listening to books aloud. So um, huge, huge benefits. And I think another thing for a struggling reader, um, when reading is hard, it's hard to be excited about a story. Mm -hmm. And if you can read it aloud, you are modeling for them that books are exciting yeah. and it's worth persevering through the struggle to get themselves to the place that they could read on their own. Um, I just think such a world is opened up in books. I've met tons of people and traveled lots of places that I would have never been able to go without a book. And so I don't want to deprive anyone, especially my child who I love, that that adventure that comes with books. Yes. Yeah. And I totally agree with what you guys said. I know I grew up not get, getting read aloud too much. And then as an adult, I really don't like audiobooks because I would rather look at the page but my daughter, who was a sunlight kid, well, she reads all the time herself. She loves listening to audiobooks too, and she's able to focus. So I love what you said about that's a learned skill that, yeah, you cannot expect a four or five-year-old who hasn't been read to a ton to, to be able to do that. Um, but also what you guys said about the vocabulary, I love hearing little sunlight kids with their high voices and all of that, but they have these phenomenal vocabularies because they've been listening to words and they know how to use them in context. And it's just so much more advanced, I think, than what you're expecting a child to say. And then same thing, what you guys said about a struggling reader. I know that was my younger child. He had some vision issues and it took him a long time to learn to read. And so he was like, "Ugh, I don't want to read. Books aren't fun. But then once he started connecting with those read alouds, it was like, oh, there are fun books out there. I just need to find them. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you guys said that there's so many benefits to it. And eventually your child will get there even if they're not there immediately or at an early age. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. The books that you find maybe dry or a little boring at the beginning or you're just not getting into them. I know we see this sometimes with books because some of our books cover heavy topics or they're written in old English or something that just makes them a little harder to read. Um, and so you as the parent are trying to figure out, do you keep going? What are your thoughts on that, ladies? I think everyone's answer is going to be different on this. Um, <laughs> we have, um, you know, people who will just be filled with grace and say, oh, just skip it. You're not a, you know, you're not um, chained to the curriculum. And that is great. That is true. And you know what you have time for. And so, um, but if um, I have often been rewarded by sticking with it, and I will say that, and I will say that you're modeling resilience and a willingness to listen and um, be patient with the author and hear them out. And I think if you approach it that way, your children will learn so much that we stick to it. If you, if we, if I had a bad attitude about a book, I did, I tried not to show my kids that I had the bad attitude toward the book. And that goes a long way because if they hint out or sniff out that you're kind of questioning it, then they're going to go in for the let's kill, you know, and put um, in the water. <laughs> blood in the water. And so if you just model resilience and uh, patience and sticking with it and just listening, let's, well, let's hear out 
you know, what he has to say here, maybe we'll be surprised. And then maybe you won't be, maybe you'll get to the end of it and you'll think, well, I'm not really sure why we read that. But then down the road, you, you start referring to it and you're like, oh, well, I guess it was good that we read that, you know? Um, or maybe they start reading the reader that goes along with it and they get in, they get into interesting things and they're like, oh, we did know this from that book. We knew about navigation or, you know, you knew something and you could tie it in later with another book or, you know, the, the timeline in history. So it, um, I think that we are often rewarded when we stick with it. I just think there's such value outside of the book in what you're teaching your child. Um, I am all for making school enjoyable, but there are some things in school and life that you just have to do because they're best for you. I always use laundry as an example. Laundry is not my favorite chore. Um, I've decorated my laundry room. I have encouraging signs. I have some Bible verses in there, but it's really not my favorite thing to do. But the alternative is that everyone in my home has to run around with no clothes on and nobody wants that. So I need to approach my laundry with a joyful attitude in that it is what's best for my family. And sometimes a sunlight book, like Christy said, there is a payoff at the end. Um, but it's my job as a mom, homeschool teacher, and your job as a student that we need to persevere. And I think that perseverance lesson is a good one. Um, sometimes I think we are too quick to, oh, poor sweetie, it's not fun or whatever. And we're not teaching our kids to hold through the hard stuff to wait for the reward. Um, I often said, well, there's got to be a reason it's in the curriculum, right? So we need to find out what that is. One of the funniest family memories we have is a book which is not in the curriculum anymore. So the reason, I don't know. But um, we persevered through that book and my husband was in on it. And now that was in third or fourth grade and my kids are in their 20s and it will still come up at a dinner. Well, you know, we made it through that book. We can do this because <laughs> no one enjoyed the book, but we made it through. And so fountains, and make it through anything because we made it through that book. <laughs> well, and I love that you said that because there was a book that it was right after my son was born. So my husband offered to do some of the school with our daughters so that I could focus on the baby and do all of that. And he had to read this read aloud that he hated it. It was it was a hard, tricky one to read. And a couple of years later, when it got dropped, he was like, I told you that was a hard book to read. Nobody else could read it either. And so we still love to talk about that one. And if you ask him what his least favorite sunlight book is, he'll tell you that it was that one. But but like you both said, I do think there is value, yes, in, in pushing on. And I mean, my kids will tell you I'm kind of the mean mom where I'm like, Sometimes you have to do things in life you don't want to do. And, you know, this is part of your schoolwork. So, I mean, they've, they've kind of learned that with me. Um, I know there are things, like you said, Lisa, the laundry, or, you know, there's things I don't always want to do, but I know I have to do them. Um, and so, yeah, so I do kind of use that um, to get everybody going and make sure we finish them. But also some of my favorite sunlight books are the ones that had me weeping at the end I didn't have that moment till the last like two or three chapters. So that's the other thing. Um, I think in your personal reading, maybe you don't push quite as far, but for sunlight, I always go at least 50% in and see, 
Is there mm -hmm. anything grabbing me? Because there's either going to be a redemptive message at the end, I'm going to be bawling, or there's going to be something else that's going to stick. Another thing too, from levels D and up, those read-alouds are tying into the history. So I have found that super helpful for the kids to really put themselves in that time and place in a way that, you know, just looking at the history books doesn't. Um, so that's the other reason I think it's it's really valuable, even if it seems a little dry at first, you, you need to picture yourself in, you know, 1700s Boston or wherever you're learning about. So, so I think that's why that's really important. Um, oh, go ahead, Lisa, you looked like you were. I think it's hard sometimes. I think we're quick to judge a book mm -hmm. when, um, it, it, especially as books get more complex, the intro is longer and we're still like learning who are the people and what is going on and what's the temperature of the situation. And I think sometimes we get bogged down in that or, or we say this is going to be boring because it might be a little bit boring because we're still setting the scene. Um, so I think what you said about going 50%, that is a good rule because generally that scene setting has passed and the action has started. And so that is, that is a great word right there. Yeah, and I think too, um, one thing, just some insight into how sunlight does reading that people don't understand in the early grades a lot of times in preschool or pre-K, going into K, you hear a lot of people asking, why are we reading, um, you know, four books at a time and we're all over the place? You know, people say things like that. And the thing is that you're reading multiple books at once, which is huge for readers. I am constantly starting books. Um, in the middle of some books and at the end of some books. And I say some books because there's a lot of them um, in each of those categories. And I'm always finishing a really great book. I'm always in the middle of some really great books. And I'm always starting books that I'm not really sure they're great yet, you know? And so um, that is part of being a reader. And Sunlight just kind of slips that in there. And so you're always, even if you're starting something and you're not, not invested in it yet, there's somewhere, you know, like a lot of times you're nearing the end of another book and, and just the way that that works, especially when you get to the high school level, you may be starting one book when you're already nearing the end of another. And I think that that is just, a, that's what readers do. Um, and that's what keeps you reading is that joy and that um, the payoff of finishing and knowing all the things at the end, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, but you have to start and be in suspense for a while in order to get that joy. So. Yeah, and if you find like if the language is tricky, you're tripping over your words, you know, or maybe there's a lot of dialogue and your kids are getting confused. I mean, that's where audiobooks really do come in handy because they can hear different accents or different voices. I know sometimes if there's a lot of words in a different language, I'll, I'll look at that and I'm like, oh, I don't speak French. So I'm sure this pronunciation is wrong or, you know, whatever. But if you have an audiobook with somebody who can speak that a little better, that's a great option as well and then do it when you're in the car if you find your time in the car a lot and you just cannot sit and read all those books that way you can knock those out as well while you're doing other things um so let's talk a little bit about that saving time i know at the end of the year i i've said this in other sessions i usually keep two or three read alouds so that we do in the summer um because usually by the end of the year i'm i'm running out of time i'm falling behind i always fall behind in the read alouds before i'll let us fall behind in the history or science or those types of books so what do you do when you feel like you're you're coming to the end of the year and you have 
haven't gotten to all the read alouds, you know, do you cut things out? Do you save them? Do you hand them to your students? I mean, I've heard all different suggestions from different people. So what do you guys think about that? I think yes, all of those things. Um, we we always bought five days and schooled four days. So we did have some things left over and audiobooks. If we were taking a trip in the summer, that was awesome. Um, sometimes if like I was a whole audio, a whole read aloud behind, I would look and see is book what I'm supposed to be doing now or what it's next on audio. And so I would choose one on audio and read the other. And so we'd have two read alouds going at the same time. Um, I have given a book or two for summer reading, you know, if it's as my kids were older, um, I am a pre-reader. I know you do not have to be that with sunlight, but because I am a reader, I was not going to miss out on any book. I would venture to say I've read 95% of the same books my children have read in sunlight. So I knew, oh, it's okay to skip this one. I'll give it to you in the summer or they were ahead on their readers or whatnot. So I think all of those are great suggestions. Um, and it may work this time and you have to choose a different part of that next time. Um, that's the beauty of sunlight. It's very flexible. Yeah. And as we went, as we progressed in sunlight, I started um, purchasing earlier in the year. <laughs> um, I started moving up my purchase time so that I could throughout the summer have books on my bedside table that I would read ahead. Um, but I know not everyone does that. And I do see people asking a lot in the app. Um, you know, I um, there are 10 books left on my book list. I need to read six of them. I just really need to cut out four. Um, if you're doing something like that, um, some of the things that you could look at are um, the topic, the place, the location, the time, and see what you've already covered or what you might be covering next year. If there's if the timeline overlaps, that's something you could do. Like if you're finishing world history going into American history, maybe there's something that's covered in American history and you're going to cover more of the time period that, you know, so maybe you want to cover, you know, um, the things that happened earlier before American, American history or, you know, whatever the case may be. So you can, those are some ways to narrow down what to trim off. Um, another thing you can do is reach out to the community. Um, people often do that. Look by hashtags, HBLD, HBL, you know, see read alouds, you know, look around, maybe look, you can search by the title. I don't, I'm not sure if we're getting to that level of detail with our hashtags yet, but that doesn't mean we can't. But, um, but if you are looking um, for some good feedback, you've got a wealth of, of sunlighters out there that have read these books. And so um, often you will have more than enough opinions. Now, people might be arguing about which ones are the best ones, but then you can look and see sometimes you, if they're saying, oh, this is this covers so much of X subject and you're like, okay, we already covered that. So I'll go with this. And they, they're really advocating you read it because of that, but maybe you've already covered it. So that's a good way to kind of trim down if you if you absolutely need to. Yeah, and another thing I like to do, because I always do five-day, even in elementary school, sunlight up until high school offers a four-day option as well, but I never want to miss a book, so I always order the five-day, but if I'm like, oh, I need to save some of these or push them to later, I'll look and see what did sunlight include in the four-day program. These have to be like the top books, right, or the must-dos, and then anything that's extra in the five-day is extra, so if, I, if I'm like, okay, 
okay, do I need to do this one immediately? No, I can save it because it's part of the five day. Um, or like you guys said, you know, looking at what you're studying, is this going to be particularly relevant to that time period? Um, but I really do try not to drop a book. Um, and we just push it till later in the year, or maybe we read it when we're on vacation or, you know, on the weekend or whatever. Like it's just kind of an extra book for us. Another thing too, I have found my kids are five years apart. I have a girl and a boy. Their tastes in books are very different. And so there have been books that my daughter loved that I was excited to read again. And my son didn't like them and vice versa. So just because you didn't like a book the first time around, I would still encourage you to read it again to your younger kids because there have been some that yeah, my daughter is kind of indifferent too. And then my son, that's his favorite book or the first one that he really connected with. And so now I have totally different memories because I did it again. So I would encourage you that way too. Or maybe if you did miss some books the first time around, make sure you hit them up with the second child or the third child and let those older ones listen in. Because I know my oldest loves to listen to what I'm reading to her brother because she doesn't remember all of them when she was that age. So that's an, another tip there on that one. Now let's dive in. This is always my favorite, the controversial books. Um, so these could be ones where maybe you as the parent do not agree with the author's stance or the views that are presented in the book, or maybe it addresses a topic that you don't think your child is ready for yet. Should you keep going? And why would Sunlight include these books in the first place? What do you guys think? Well, I loved that. Um, I often say that one of my best benefits of homeschooling my children is that I know them on a different level than if they went to school. And they know me on a different level because we have wrestled with those controversial books and we have hashed out those things together. Um, I think if you have a child who you don't think is mature enough for the topic, that's different than you're uncomfortable with the topic. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in parenting that I'm uncomfortable with. But that doesn't mean I don't have to do that because it's for the best of my child. If it's something that really you're just, your child is not ready for, then your child's not ready. And so I would say rather than throwing it in the trash, you push it ahead to when your child is ready. But those controversial books, um, so much value. I have often said, what is, you know, when people say, what is your favorite level? That's a hard question. But my favorite experience was in 300 because every book was hard. I mean, just hard. And I, they weren't all enjoyable, yay, that kind of thing. But the discussion and the growth I saw in my kids through that was, you hate to say that that's the first time I saw that homeschooling was working, but I was like, oh, I have, this is worth it. Here is the payoff because we read about atroc atrocities and my kids engaged. And that that's my goal. I wanted to create lifelong learners. And I felt like there that was. That was the proof that everything we've done up to that point, it was worth it. We're now making withdrawals from those deposits because I see critical thinkers and looking past the black and white that we hear from, you know, 
in World War II, these countries were good and these countries were bad. That's not true. They were all made up of humans. So everyone was a sinner and <laughs> choices were made. And, and that was, that was like the moment for me that I was like, okay, my kids are going to be okay because we made it through that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many opportunities with these books. Um, and my, uh, we've often bumped into the controversial, um, you know, they're going to bump into those things somewhere eventually in life. And I like being able to talk to them about the things that they're going to bump into in life and, um, you know, to cover that. And my family of origin has five daughters and a very protective father and a very protective mother. Okay. That's my family of origin. And I bumped into a lot of things um, at the same time, you know, um, sin, I wrote this down, onslaught of evil, <laughs> injustice, sin, pain, danger, human nature, all those things. And you can, um, you know, those come out in a lot of different ways in sunlight books. But, um, and those are the things that we tend to want to shy away from. But, and I think there is a, um, an idea out there that our kids are not, that we have to be so careful with them or that kind of thing. And I do think that, you know, um, we should listen to the Holy Spirit as far as, you know, we're not the Holy Spirit for you. And, you know, um, we don't want to be, <laughs> but um, we have the opportunity to walk through our kids, um, you know, so many things with our kids and have discussions. And it's so valuable to do that. And I would be one of the foremost careful about reading this or that years ago and uh, sunlight has helped me to grow I believe in um, seeing the value of talking through um, difficult topics and that has been um, I, I can't even express in words how much um, I've appreciated that and um, just the value in taking time today to prayerfully and without fear discuss ideas and realities because they're in the world and we're going to see them and they are able and they're strong and they are insightful. Our kids are and we and um, you know, God can work in their hearts as we're reading. Um, I know recently I have a high schooler who um, saw a book and he got it for Christmas. So I don't tend to have time to read those books. It's around a busy time of year for me. And I kind of looked over it in, in general and gave him the book. And it was about theology. He had asked for this book and he wanted to read this book. And I kind of looked through it and I did not see what all was included in the book. And he took time afterward and he came to me and he said, okay, I don't think I agree with this author. And I'm like, okay, why not? You know, and we sat down and talked about that. And his ideas, he thought of things that I never would have thought of. Um, to counteract the, you know, what he considered incorrect in that and what, how the guy was interpreting the Bible. And this was a, a scholar, you know, <laughs> a biblical scholar that wrote this book and his simple answer to what this guy was saying blew me away. And, you know, if I had read that before, I might not have given him that book, quite honestly, because it was a little crazy what he, what the guy was saying, I think, you know, <laughs> but him taking, he has the Holy Spirit in him, and he thoughtfully read that book, critically thought about it, and he had huge arguments that I would have never considered, 
And that is what happens when you're reading sunlight. And I think that it is powerful. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Um, I know for me, I did not want my kids learning things from their friends or being shocked by maybe some horrible thing that they heard outside of my home. I wanted that information coming from me first. And I have to tell you guys, be aware, your kids are learning things very young if they are around other kids. I mean, the my daughter, the things she picks up at youth group of all places and comes home. And then we have these discussions about your, your kids are not as sheltered as you think they are. So it's really important on my end. I wanted to know how to address those hard topics, um, you know, because I with especially with my oldest, I haven't done this before, right? When you start parenting, you don't know anything and you have to figure it out. And so sunlight has made it very easy from the early grades, you know, here's the facts about this topic, right? You don't need to dive into the details with a seven-year-old necessarily, but it gets you having those conversations so that when they're 10 and they have more questions, or maybe they hear something from one of their friends somewhere else, they know they can come to you and they can trust that you know what you're talking about, you're a credible source of information, and that you're going to listen to their thoughts about it too. You want to open that very open dialogue, communication. I mean, I've always told my kids, you can tell me anything. I'm not going to be shocked about it. I'm not going to shame you for anything. Um, and I had a great conversation yesterday. My daughter and I were trying to do school together and we were going over some things and then she just started you know, word vomiting, what was going on in her friends' lives and, you know, their teenagers and, and things that seem like such a big deal to them, you know, because of their age and everything else, you know, and the intense emotional trauma, you know, two hours later, my son comes in and he's like, were we going to work on my research paper? And I was like, sorry, we had to get into this whole other conversation. But, but sitting there and discussing a book was what opened her up and had her start talking like that. So, and I'm sure you guys have stories like that too, um, where your kids, they, they, they're comfortable with you. They're open. They will share things. They're, they're not hiding things. I know by the time I was in middle school, I didn't want to talk to my parents about awkward topics because it was awkward. Um, so, <laughs> so I love that, that I have that open relationship with my kids and and Lisa, you said it, that you know your kids in a different way. I also feel like my kids know me in a different way. You know, I was in my early 20s before I realized my parents were, you know, parent, not just parents, that they were human beings. And, <laughs> and in this case, I feel like my kids really know me well. And why do I think certain things? And why do I believe the way I do? You know, so let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you guys both kind of mentioned it, that Chrissy, your son was able to pick out theology he didn't agree with. Um, Lisa, you were talking about in wars, oftentimes we're taught this side was good and this side is bad. So let's talk specifically about how sunlight addresses bias in a text or even downright false information. Um, how do we make it easier to point that out to our kids or help them spot that? as they mature and grow. Um, and then, yeah, what? how do Sunlight's Notes help you identify those things? Well, I really appreciated, um, even from in um, late elementary school, that things that I was taught black and white in school, Sunlight really presented both sides and gave me those tools to talk to my kids about, our big thing is everybody's selling something, it's our job to determine if we're buying. And we don't have to even buy the whole thing. 
Um, you know, we might only buy the shoes, the dress, it's not for me, but the shoes, those are good shoes. So I'll take those. Um, and I think that's what being exposed to so much good literature um, does for your children. They can, they can take it in, but they don't have to, just like Christy said, he read the whole book. He might've agreed with 50% of what the guy said disagree with the other 50% and that's okay. Just because something's in print doesn't mean that it's 100% true. Like anybody can write a book. Um, so I think that's important. Um, the instructor's guide is invaluable in that. If a book is biased and there is no other book in the curriculum to offer the other side, the notes can do that. Um, if there's something coming up that's difficult, the notes let you know, like you, you should not be surprised by something in sunlight. Um, that just shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so as you work through those books and look through the notes and you ask those questions, why do you think that happened? You know, I didn't require my children to say exactly what was in the instructor's guide. They might have 100% opposite opinion. Tell me why you think that. Oh, okay then you're right, because if that's what you took away from, you know, if you can back up your answer, then A for you, you know? So make, they need to bring that information in and process it through the filter of truth from the Bible, and then through their conviction of the Holy Spirit. Just because someone says it doesn't make it the thing. Yeah, and Sunlight does have um, books that you'll find in the notes. Um, think, I'm thinking of a high school level that has notes that are huge, and um, yeah. this year. <laughs> and they are quite a few notes to to kind of counteract and um, um, an idea, maybe an author. So sometimes people, I think, um, find out sunlight has a title, and they'll think, oh, you know. Sunlight has that title. Well, it might be instructive to read what this author says and then to read what another author says and get these ideas and get these ideas and put them side by side. And then, you know, what do we think? You know, it might not be either of these things, you know, or to hear two sides. I've read in a Sunlight book of, um, you know, the, the English uh, people from England uh, that were in, um, you know, uh, the 1700s that during the Revolutionary War, what was happening with the British, what was happening with the Americans. Um, sometimes topics, you know, surprise, surprise, are not all as cut and dry. Um, there are nuances of things happening on this side. There are nuances of ideas. When you read about the Civil War and you talk and you find out about a family that split and what they loved each other, but they each felt a little different pull about what they really believed on, on, and maybe not the one subject that we tend to think about, but on this whole list of subjects. <laughs> and so there's this, you know, you can see what were people thinking at the time, because we can, we kind of, um, history has a way of saying, oh, this is what this was about. And, and for example, the American Revolution, this is what this was about. But really, it's not just about one thing. It's about a list of things. And so I think you really get a good idea of that. Um, again, in uh, World War II, as Lisa talked about, you hear from a soldier that was, and you kind of go into his life with him and see what he's dealing with every day. And he's a German soldier. 
and um, you see the heartbreak of what's happening in his life and his bigger life. And it's and there's a lot to think about. And there's a lot to um, oh, parallel journeys. And I was thinking of that book, Christy, that completely changed my view of Nazi Germany because my heart broke for both of those people. Mm -hmm. It's a book that has a chapter from a girl who was in a concentration camp and then the same time what was happening to a young boy who had been recruited into the Nazi army. That was, it It was huge for me. Um, yeah, Hitler Youth, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what it was called. Yes, he was in Hitler Youth and then he went into the army and was promoted quickly because the Nazis were getting picked off like, you yes. know, flies, but... Just to hear those was, mm-hmm. I didn't learn anything like that in school. Right. And the beautiful part of that book, not to give anything away too much, is that you should read that book and you should yes. read it and see how much we need what they're talking about today in so many topics. I've drawn parallels with my boys um, of like, you know, um, early Americans and the settlers. And today, what we, you know, have going on in our country, there are different groups that are divided and are afraid of each other. And what's happening to that, you can draw parallels, you can think critically, and you can kind of see how the get in the shoes of each side and think through God made these people and God made these people and they're in these circumstances. And this is what's happening. And, you know, what played out and there's so much to learn through all of that. But th- this, these two people that Lisa and I are talking about come together and toured the U.S. at the end and talk to people about how they could become friends after what, what happened. And I'm not going to give away the whole, I guess that does kind of give away a little bit of the story. Um, <laughs> you talk about bawling at the I end of a book, Sunny. This is a nonfiction <laughs> book. You're not supposed to cry at the end of a nonfiction book. <laughs> But that, I recommend that book to anyone who asks as an adult, do you have any good book recommendations? That is always on my list because it is powerful. I was thinking of that before you started talking about it, Christy. I was like, oh, I should mention that book. But it's in 300, Sunny, so you have a little ways to get there. But then you can join the fan club because (laughs) it's it's amazing. really happened and and I think it's instructive for us today in a divided world absolutely well and I love what you said about that because I know um my daughter just finished up learning about the American Civil War in 100 and we've been seeing a lot of parallels to like modern American politics and you know how it appears that we're super divided and everyone who's in this political party believes this way and everybody in this party believes this way but the majority of people fall somewhere in the middle right and so yeah when we've been reading these books and having these discussions it's been really interesting to hear her perspective on it and and see how people ultimately were the same that we've always been if you're talking about 2000 years ago or now we still think the same way um we're still manipulated oftentimes the same way and it's important to know what you believe um i know especially when it comes to matters of faith that that's something that i want my kids to understand why they believe what they do so that when i release them on the world they're not easily swayed by whatever other viewpoints they pick up out there, right? I, this is my time to, to really make sure that they understand what they believe, why they believe it, and they're able to defend it 
when they get out into the world and and face other you know opposition from other people so yeah i think absolutely it is so necessary to hear things that you don't agree with so that you can spot why you don't agree with them and be able to defend that if you've only you know i grew up where i went to a christian school for much of my childhood and i was taught this is right but I didn't really know what was wrong beyond that. And it, it took me a long time and soul searching in my 20s to figure out like, okay, this is why I believe this. It's not just, this is right. You know, I think it's important to hear what's wrong too, so that you can really see the difference and know those things. Um, we touched a little bit on the uncomfortable conversations when they're appropriate to have with your children, um, that they are necessary. But what are some tips? I know a lot of times parents feel very squeamish about certain things, right? Like, oh, my child's too young for that, or I feel really awkward. What are some ideas to make that less awkward maybe, or easier to broach those challenging topics with their kids? Well, I think reading about it in a book is so much easier than just being like, hey, let me tell you about 10 words that you should never say, because that's weird. But if you come across a word in a book, I just, I read the word. Okay, that, and, and my kids didn't know it was ugly because we don't talk that way. But then I would say, okay, let me tell you something. This book is set in a different time. And this word, while it was not pleasant at that time, was very common. If you transfer that word to today, it's really bad. And here's why. And just like Christy said, God made these people and God made these people. And so derogatory words about anyone, same as me, different than me, that's not okay with God. Like, it's not okay. That is his precious child that's being referred to with an ugly word. And so we talked about it. And then they knew the word. I think what you said, Sunny, like you knew what was right, but you didn't know what was wrong. That I, my son went to daycare. He never, to my knowledge, heard a curse word. And I went to pick him up one day. He was like four and he's in the principal's office. And I was like, what in the world? And the guy came out and he's like, before you go off on him, because I know you're going to beat him. Like, that's the kind of moment he was like, let me just tell you what happened. He said some child said this word and all the kids you know kids Ooh. and the teacher came over and said what happened and all of the other children knew it was a bad word so they wouldn't say it again and Matthew says oh he said <laughs> so that he didn't know it was wrong so he said so the kid who originally said it and now Matthew's repeated it so I have to it's in front of everyone I have to take him into the office he's like but please do not punish him he did not he was like it was very obvious he did not know he was wrong we have to teach them what's right and what's wrong because if you don't know what's wrong you might offend someone and that's that's not what we're supposed to do so having those conversations saying those words and talking about them puts your child in such a better position than just pretending they don't exist because they do exist. Yeah. And when you do have controversial to um, topics to talk about and th or things that you don't really want to bring up and don't really want to talk about, I have all sons and I have um, found that the car after we've had, a, you know, is a really non-threatening place to talk to a teenage son because you're not eyeball to eyeball, 
you can look at the scenery as you're driving. Well, I will look at the road while I'm driving and they can look at the scenery and often um, they will say more in the car um, when you're not eyeball to eyeball. That has worked very well with me. And I um, like we, I think you mentioned Sunny, um, I've let them know I'm not gonna be embarrassed. You can talk to me if you would not, rather talk to dad on a controversy, you know, on not a controversy, on a, a topic that you may not want to talk to your mom about, but I'm, I'm not going to be embarrassed. You're never, uh, you can come and talk to me about anything you want to talk about. And I will be, you know, um, glad to, for us to talk about, um, you know, I'm open to talk to you. And I think that um, I'm surprised. Sometimes, I have been surprised um, over the years of, about things that they do open up and talk to me about. And I'm so glad in the moment that we have like you've said, that relationship that we've built through time of, of I mean, I'm sure there are things they do not tell me. And I've learned later and they laugh about it that I didn't know something. Okay, that does happen. But um, I do think that we are able to talk about um, and broach those subjects and just let them know you're willing to, to talk to them about that. And you'd rather them talk to you than a bunch of um, punks that don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I, I like to set myself up as, as I have more knowledge on this subject than your 12 or 13 year old friend does. So yeah, if, if you want to know for real, you should probably come to me or your dad and ask those questions. Um, I saw somebody was, was, yeah, very squeamish about something. And I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was something anatomy related or, or something like that in the Facebook group. And the way I've always looked at it now, I do come from a medical background in science. And so we teach body part names and we're very open and frank that way. Um, but I was like, just pretend like your child asked you why they have an ear. Like, what are our ears used for? Why do we have it? Nobody gets weird talking about their ears. It's just certain body parts where they're like, oh my gosh, my child asked me about this. What do I do? And so, you know, from the time my kids were little, if they ask, you know, simple questions, like, why do I look this way? Or what is this for? You know, I would keep it very factual and basic when they were young. I mean, you don't need to go into long detailed explanations. Oftentimes your kids are not thinking as deeply about that as you are. But if my child's asking me about my ear, I'm not gonna get weird or awkward about it. So um, that is something that I like to use as a tip if it is anything that you're like, oh, or Christy, what you said about the eye contact. Um, I have found that my daughter and I love to watch musicals together and we'll talk over it, but then we're looking at the screen. And so you don't wanna make eye contact because it feels weird in that moment. You don't have to. I also, my son and I hike together all the time. So that's my approach and plan when he's a little bit older. Cause again, you don't have to look at each other while you're talking. Um, but yeah, but I think letting your kids know that you're there for them and then use the ear trick. If it's making you uncomfortable, you are probably more uncomfortable than they are. Um, so, sure. <laughs> so just remember that. And I mean, you guys have said, and I know I found it with my teenager when they kind of get used to this, from an early age in this discussion-based lifestyle, they're more open with you anyway. And I mean, like you said, you've been surprised at some of the things they've been willing to say, um, but it's because they're used to it, right? They've been having conversations. They've encountered weird stuff yeah. all the time, you know, weird <laughs> stuff in books. So there must be weird stuff in real life. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I know we've both kind of touched on it, but let's talk about the instructor's guide notes. Whenever I see somebody asking, why is this in a book? And I know it's in the instructor's guide. I want to shout from the rooftops, please look at your instructor's guide. So what type of notes do we have in there, ladies, to help people on these challenging conversations or warn them about what's coming? Um, and why is it important that everybody look at those before they head into a book or launch into a topic. Yeah. Notice that there is an N in the box in places. And the N in the box, if you look at your right there with the globe and the little person or whatever it is now, it's changed. And then the N in the box is a note to parents. And so you can go through and look ahead. Um, if you get into a busy period of time, that might be a good thing to do. And also, I would say as someone who um, was busy, and I understand that I had a baby and I was busy and I didn't have time to deal with controversy sometimes, like I just wanted to do something easy that day. And so realize that just if you see something and you in it and it um, and, and immediately you have a reaction to it. Um, realize I, I, I've been there myself. I've reacted to a sunlight book like, what in the world, you know, or whatever. I have done that. And it was most likely when I was busy and I had a lot going on and I had a baby and I really needed something easy that day. And there was something that we were going to cover. And so if you look ahead at those in and the box, you know, the little in and it's got a box around it. Those are notes to parents and it will let you know if there's something controversial. Maybe you don't have time to, fit, you know, talk about how many years the earth has been here and you just really need to get teeth brushed and put people to bed or for a nap or whatever it is, you know, um, in the middle of your day, it can be annoying um, at times. And I get that it has happened to me, but I would say take a breath and, you know, and consider, put it into perspective, think about it later. Um, one year um, in the middle school years, I quit reading a book and it annoyed me that the author had not admits in the author's note that they did, they knew that there were notes from the, about this person's life and they purposely didn't read any of that before they wrote what they wrote, this fiction book about these historic people. And I just thought that is annoying to me. You know, I, I don't know why it just in the moment, it annoyed me so much that day. And I, you know, sounded off about it. So that kind of thing happens. I get it. I've had those kind of reactions too. And as someone who has reacted to a book and been irritated in the moment, I say, um, you know, realize if you look ahead and see those notes, maybe you can deal with it when you're not in the middle of busy and that will help, maybe. And that's a great idea if you see coming up. I always tried to take Sunday afternoon to read through, well, when we had to track down the books for next week, because you know, they weren't where they're supposed to be. Um, get everything we need for the week together, read through that. And like Christy said, if it's a day that I knew was gonna be extremely busy and that's when the end was on my page, we might rearrange some things. Maybe we're going to do extra long science today because the history is going to require more of my brain cells than I know I'm going to have available that day. But, but do look at those and, and do know that while Sunlight has tried so hard to cover everything, if we made a note for every single thing that could possibly trigger a fin cause someone to be taken aback, your instructor's guide would be this big, and then you'd really never read it. So I think um, just like with all the things, if we 
give the other person the benefit of the doubt, if you give sunlight the benefit of the doubt to know that this is a good worthwhile book and while it may have whatever in it, um, and we didn't address it in the instructor's guide, that it was still done with love. And it was still done for your, with your good in mind. Um, but if you're not reading your instructor's guide, you're missing out on so much information. Because if we miss something, but everyone is, you know, there's a lot of chatter about it. I know it goes in there the next time it gets printed because that's the kind of company Sunlight is. They're not, yeah, well, that's just you. You know, I think it's such a wealth of information. And I agree with you, Sunny. I'm like, oh, you know, read your instructor's guide. <laughs> yes, which re reminds me, if you see a book that maybe you think has something that isn't in the notes, IG suggestions at sunlight.com. Send them there. That goes straight to our product development team. And like Lisa said, in the reprint of, you know, the updated instructor's guide, you'll often see more notes. If it's something that we've heard from a lot of people, oh, you didn't tell me this was in this book, then they'll add it. Same thing if there's corrections, you found a typo or something like that, you can reach out there. Um, be also very aware of what age level your program is designed for. This is the other thing. If you, I know the temptation once your child can read is to say, here, read all these books. But the programs are really age rated based on what content is in those books, not how hard they are to read necessarily, but what information is in there. So if you are not pre-reading or you are not looking at that instructor's guide, you might be handing a very challenging book to your child, challenging topic wise, not necessarily reading level wise. So for me, I don't do a lot of pre-reading. I've got two kids in different levels and they're five years apart and I work full time. So my focus has always been who needs me the most? But I'm always looking at that instructor's guide. Are there the little boxes with the end? Like Christy said, you know there's going to be something in that book. Um, but also, are there other notes in there that I may want to look at? A lot of times, the readers and the read-alouds, you'll get a summary of what the book is about at the top of the page. So I can look through that and see, okay, are we going to be tackling anything that's going to maybe challenge the kids or they're going to have questions on it, especially if I'm going to turn that book over to a child to do independently. I want to make sure that I'm ready <laughs> when they come back with the questions. So <laughs> there, there are places where the instructor's guide will say, skip to page 52. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even I'm on this, we are covering other things. So, you know, let's uh, go ahead and skip to page. You can finish the sentence this way and then start the next sentence on page 52 second paragraph with this and it will just skip one little if there's one little thing in the book um but overall I'm thinking of a book that's really important to overall cultural understanding and then there's just this one little part that oh we wish the author didn't say that well we can skip it and so the the IG instructs you in that and then you when you hear people irritated about it it's like it's in the IG so <laughs> It's there. <laughs> yeah, and it might be one page of poetry. It might be one paragraph or one chapter, like you said. Yeah, or one page spread in an Usborne book. Or yeah, so just make sure you guys are really looking at that at least you know an hour before you plan to do it with your child. That way, you're ready to go and kind of know what's coming. Um, before we get into our conclusion and announcements, do you ladies have anything else you would like to add? about what we've discussed today, the Sunlight books, you know, any tips or suggestions for people or anything along those lines? I mean, I think you've heard us say, don't skip the book, but don't 
don't feel like we're going to throw a rock at you if you do skip the book because it's your homeschool and we are not the homeschool police. Um, my, my thought is just to, as someone who's a little, probably a little further down the road in parenting and homeschooling, um, then maybe most of our watchers are um, just my perspective, but please don't feel judged or shamed or any of those things. If you just say, you know what, this is not for me and that's okay because you're you and I'm me and what's for me doesn't have to be for you. And it doesn't mean I don't love you and we can't be friends. So don't, don't feel judged by that or anything that we've said, if it doesn't apply to you, that's what we're trying to teach our kids, right? Everybody's selling something. Are you buying? And if you're not buying, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And I said strong things about reading aloud. So I should say that, <laughs> that, that, that child, that's the oldest, that's so independent. The reason that we had that laugh and he said, well, would you look at this is because he is one that would convince me, let me read this book on my own. And I did let him do that. And I understand if you have five children and your oldest is doing awesome and you want to let them go, every season is different. Do what works for your family and, you know, do try to convince them to read some books aloud. That's my recommendation, but I understand that you may or may not be able to do every read aloud or, you know, um, that type of thing, that there is definitely a time and a place that, that um, we did the same. Like we, I handed over read alouds that I wanted to read with my son and he read them independently, you know, that happened. Otherwise we, he may never have finished. I don't know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, and then also overall, I would say um, compassion toward people is a big thing that we have, we take away from sunlight because we've taken time to listen to people on a deep level. When you listen to so many pages, you're listening to people and you're realizing, Hey, not everyone thinks like me. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a humility that comes with reading. And I think that that is huge and something that is something you can't really package and sell, but maybe you can, I don't know. <laughs> maybe we have, but, um, but um, that time is valuable and you are uh, building a lot of compassion into kids that are hearing from different perspectives. It's huge. Yeah, that is so true. Another thing too, like we've said, if you don't have time that, I mean, there are different seasons in your life when you have more time, less time. I mean, the books are on your shelf. You can always revisit them later. You don't have to do them in the year that they're assigned, you know, because it is your homeschool. Um, but my daughter actually brought me a statistic and said that the average adult only reads 12 books a year. So if you are reading even half of your sunlight books, you're reading way more than the average. So that is awesome. And hopefully, you know, one day you'll get to that point where you have older independent kids and you're able to read all the books. I, you know, like we said at the beginning, we're all avid readers ourselves. So that's why we were drawn to sunlight. We love to read. And there are just so many good books within sunlight. So if you don't get to them all your first year, you know, go back and read some of the books later, or maybe pick up new editions, you know, that were added after you did a program, or maybe you skipped a program, but there's good books in there. You know, you can always get more for your to be read list from Sunlight's catalog. So ladies, thank you so much for coming and talking about this topic today. I think it's it's so important and it's probably my favorite thing about Sunlight or just the quality of the book. So I appreciate you both being here. Um, if we did not get to your question today during the event, please ask those, join us in the Sunlight Connections app 
all three of us are in there as well as the rest of our mentor team. And so we would love to talk to you in the app, answer your questions, give you ideas and suggestions because we've all been at different phases in the journey. So we probably have some advice for you as well. Also for upcoming events in the month of March, um, March 1st, our Sunlight Newbies Workshop, John and I are gonna be in there talking all about what's new at Sunlight in the 2023 year, as well as giving suggestions for making your curriculum decisions for next year. I know you guys have already been in the app talking about it, but all of our big sales on, you know, all subjects packages and, and the things that you might wanna look at for next year happen in March and April. So uh, we will give you tips and tricks and ideas for that and then also so next month's Homeschool Helps and Hacks is going to be on March 16th at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, so it's 3 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to be tackling the topic of homeschool burnout. So whether you are new to homeschooling or you've been doing it 20 years and you're exhausted and you're trying to figure out how to keep going, um, we're going to be addressing that in Homeschool Helps and Hacks. Like I said, if you are watching this from the link you got in your email and not in our Sunlight Connections app, make sure you join us over there in the app because we stream events like this right into the app so you don't even have to remember when they are you'll get the alert and you can watch live or you can watch replays there and then of course you have access to the sunlight community our mentors and more so make sure you're joining us there lisa christy again thank you so much for being here i really appreciate you both thank you